Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This episode of The Warriors Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, a sports bar we just love. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans just makes the experience better. Look, obviously, watching a Warriors game on your own is fine. I've done it for years. But watching the game in a place that lets me scream and cheer and just generally lose my shit with other dub fans is so much more fun. COVID stole that opportunity for a while, but the ACO has given it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge TVs, and their full complement of great food and drinks. It's big, it's comfortable, it's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes during this incredible Warrior season, the NFL playoffs, or any other sport with fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food, I love their space, I love their TVs. I even love that it's family friendly. I can go there with friends and get way too passionate, or I can go with just my wife and kid and enjoy brunch while catching a game. The Athletic Club is now my go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and I hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual, my boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Boys, we are on the other side of what might have been the most impressive Warriors playoff road victory that I can remember. And that's after, what, six trips to the finals and three titles. So we've got big things to talk about. Although I don't mind telling you, we are recording from like a new studio and I'm hella distracted. Like the, the setting's all different. It counted down before we started here. Like I was excited to talk about Warriors. And then before I got to say one thing, I started thinking about the fancy new bells and whistles in front of me. So you fucked me up a little bit here. Max. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was going for. I'm trying to keep you on your toes so that we can feel like how the Warriors are feeling right now. You yeah, know? There you go. One last piece of logistics because I don't want this to be a spoiler. Marcus, are you still saving all your chips to be able to watch the next series or did you actually watch the 
get a mustache. No, I went to another wedding actually. No. <laughs> <laughs> just save it all up for the intergalactic change. Anytime I go it's to coming. a wedding, they win. So I'm just going to keep going to weddings. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Well, it turns out I have COVID, which is a bonus, and they've won as I have COVID. So maybe I'll just hold on to this sickness for as long as oh, I yeah. can, just as a sacrifice to the world. You know, I, I am. Uh, if, if my social skills seem a little bit less than they normally are, it's because I've been on quarantine for the last four days and like just have seen nobody else. So it's been um, it's been a challenge, but we're not here to talk about my medical condition. We have huge, just huge warrior stuff to go through. And what I want to do is follow our normal format here, boys. So let's jump in. With our glass half full, give me something you like and something that you didn't. You can stretch it back to game three um, if need be, but uh, I myself is going to focus on four because, oh, for obvious reasons. Um, and I've said enough to start here. Maxime, why don't you jump off first? What did you like? What did you don't? Yeah, I've completely blocked game three out of my mind, so <laughs> I'm also only going to be chatting about game four. I think one thing that I really liked, I mean, obviously we got to start celebrating Steph. Um, you know, a 43-point finals performance is absolutely incendiary. What a what a gorgeous um, game all around. And I just – I love that at the same time, I also want to celebrate Steve Kerr for, you know, having the really gutsy call to pull Draymond out halfway through the fourth, um, which, you know, was obviously the right move uh, because we were down five when he came out, and when he came back in, we were up like six or something. So um, just, I think, really solid performance all around, the type of performance that you need to see from a team that's trying to win a finals. When we double down on a couple of things, like there's a lot of questions about Steph coming up. We're going to spend a lot of time celebrating the shit out of him. So I'll, I'll save some of my Steph gunpowder for down the line here. Um, and the Steve Kerr stuff. So first, let me say, I think Draymond played well. Um, he didn't play well in the offensive end, but I think he actually contributed significantly to that win, including some huge defensive stops down the down the stretch here. But what you said about Kerr impressed the shit out of me. Do you know what kind of balls it takes to sit Draymond Green at the back end of, of a must-win playoff game after Draymond has helped drag us to six finals? Um, I don't, I'm not sure there's any other coach who could get away with that. I'm not sure there's any other coach who would have the moxie to pull it off the way that he did, and it impressed the shit out of me. But I'll give you another thing, a new thing that, that I don't know, stuck out and I genuinely liked. It was Clay's performance in the fourth. So this last game, dude, this Boston game was the first finals game where the Warriors only had one day of rest. And so for someone who's coming off of two major catastrophic injuries, anybody on this team who'd be expected to have an off night after not having proper rest would be Clay. And for the first three quarters, it kind of felt like that's what was going down. And then while he was facing his own fucking mortality, when he looked his own vulnerability right in the face, that's when he stepped up. That's when he went for eight points in the fourth quarter. That's when he locked down Jalen Brown, someone who everyone who's been saying Jalen is younger and athletic and stronger. And if you can do that when everyone else is questioning you, after you've had three bad quarters, then you get my props, man. Um, and so I, in, a, in a game filled with superlatives, filled with just incredible moments to celebrate, fucking Clay Thompson, I want to celebrate first. Nice. Yeah, he deserves it. Um I'm going to go what I did like, uh, Andrew Wiggins, uh, 17 points, 16 rebounds, career high. Um, you know, set, almost having a 2020 game is crazy that it's literally not talked about at all. That's how good Steph was. Um, but Wiggins had some key moments of, of rebounding and then just some timely baskets. So 
um, all around great team effort. But I think Wiggins flying under the radar and is just another proof point that we need to figure out how to um, do the dance with the cap space to, to keep him on the team. What I didn't like was, and I hate harping on it again, but it was just evident, um, was the referee treatment. Steph has earned, um, you know, superstar treatment from a referee. And not only does he not get superstar treatment, he doesn't even get star treatment. He gets almost rookie level treatment at times, which is just infuriating and frustrating. And just, it's, I, I don't get it. It's incomprehensible. Like, that one play where Tatum fouled him from behind and it should have been a four-point play on one of the ones that should have been a four-point play. Like you if, you mean the one I took a picture of and tweeted out a thousand times yeah. and like lost my mind over exactly. it? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about, dude. Of course. Like if you look at that again, you watch the referee. The referee's watching the ball go in like a step fan. It's like pay attention, do your job. Like you're supposed to make sure that he's not getting injured, that people aren't landing in his landing space. And he's watching the ball up hand in the air, like, oh, this is this guy's pretty good at basketball. It's like do your job and, and protect the player. Like they don't do it and, but, and if you frustrated. want to be a fan, if you want to be his fan, make the calls. You know, of course you're right. And the, they're ignoring multiple time-honored traditions in basketball. I mean, one is just superstar calls. You're, you're absolutely right. What we're talking about is momentum that comes with officiating. If you've won two MVPs, you get calls. If you've won two MVPs and three championships, you get calls. If you win two MVPs, three championships, and you're having one of the hottest nights anyone's ever seen, of course you get calls. And that they would fucking ignore that during that. It's, it's unacceptable. It, is. it doesn't make any and, sense. And it, it would be more understandable if they just weren't calling it. But they were calling ticky-tack fouls on us. So it was like, well, if you're going to call that bump on Steph, then you have to call that on the other side. And they're not doing it. It's just – I just don't get it. I, it feels like the league would make a call – to the refs, like, are you guys, like, do you have something against him? Like, what are you guys doing? We have to protect, he's the face of the NBA right now. Oh, dude, it was like a, a Disney movie. You know, like at the end when it seemed like the Warriors might pull it out, it's almost as if like the refs got together. It's like, we need to stop this. And he still, it didn't matter. He's like, even you boys cannot slow me down. I tell you what, I'll take your guys' bait. Let's jump into the golden questions and really dig into the Steph stuff in earnest. Because here's the first question. Steph has two MVPs, three titles, and enough highlights to kill a small horse over 13 years of legendary hoop. Let me pause for a moment. I think it'd be really hard to kill a horse with highlights, um, regardless of how big it was. I don't know how you do it, but it is what it is. Picking the question up uh, from where we left off, was last night Curry's most impressive game of his career? So I spent a lot of time thinking about this, um, and I, I like the way it was phrased. I really like that it isn't best, that it's most impressive, because that takes away some of the objective stats. This is a totally subjective question. Were you, know, were you really impressed by it? And here's where I landed. The performance itself, the shots that he hit, the rebounds that he got, the emotion he showed was nothing short of fucking legendary. You know, there's something about Steph that's different than every other athlete I've ever watched that when he gets hot, it's closer to art or magic than it is for sports. You don't have to have any appreciation as a basketball fan to come in and just love what you're watching on that screen. And that was true last night. But that's been true on other occasions. We've seen Steph the Magician on a lot of stages. What I haven't seen him do, that with all the other factors that were going on last night, an absolute bananas must-win game on the biggest stage. A frenzied, seemingly hammered 
Boston crowd, the best defense in the league. No question, you know, that a defense that has been lauded as one of the best in recent memory, who wasn't just focusing on the Golden State Warriors. They were focusing on Steph alone because almost nobody else could score and throw on top of that an ankle injury. The thing that, that almost shortened his fucking career, the thing that he has had to battle his entire life. All of those things are hanging on his on his shoulders. All of those things are on his head. And he comes out and drops a 43 spot in an impossible win. So maybe it's recency bias, you know, but I even just talking about this, I've like lathered myself up in a frothy sweat. It, yes, dude, it was the most impressive performance. And it, it's hard for me to even justify another answer. Um, but with that in tow, you boys, you know, was it the most impressive? How do you feel about this? Um, I think it's up there. I think for the reasons that you laid out, it is definitely on the short list. I still, the Madison Square Garden 50-point game still stands out to me um, and using the word impressive because it was it was almost like the coming out party for Steph. And there were some three-point shots that he hit. And when you gain the respect of the Madison Square Garden crowd with, you know, a, a few threes, like it's... It's impressive. So um, I think that one is right up there, but it's it's hard to argue with, with the defense you laid out that, you know, injury, game four, it's, it's, it's a must win. You can't go down 3-1 in this series to this Celtics team. And everybody else is playing terribly, and he just comes out and just literally puts the whole team on his back. I think it's it's hard to argue with it. What it's amongst whispers of, you know, Steph's pretty good. You know, what what a great guy has changed the game, unbelievable player, but he doesn't really perform on the biggest stage, which has been bullshit. It's just been bullshit from the jump. But amongst those whispers, this is what he comes out and throws on the table. Uh, Maxine, where are you on this? Yeah, I think the Madison Square Garden game, you know, is a regular season game, right? Where the Knicks don't have a bunch of uh, opportunities to game plan and see him already for three games and think about everybody else on the squad. I mean, what, what makes this, I think so particularly special is that, you know, both teams, I think, have already done all of the adjustments that they're going to do, right? They're throwing out some of their best stuff and, and they know that it's a must win for them as well, right? If they bring it back three, one to, to golden state, it's pretty scary. You know, it's a pretty daunting uphill task. Most people are saying it's not going to happen. So both teams are feeling like it's a must win, which means that they're going to do everything that they possibly can to keep Steph from getting 43. And well, he got 43 anyways. I was off by one point, one game, I guess 42 for game three, let the record <laughs> um, and ended up being off on it. You know, what really impressed me and they, I didn't get a highlight. didn't get to see the people chanting it, but at the end of the game, there was MVP chance for Steph in TD garden. I, I, my guess is that's probably the Warriors fans were there. But just to kind of flame it up, just on the off chance that it wasn't, if if earlier in that, you know, if, if what we knew Boston fan for doing is screaming fuck Draymond and being over the top nasty to everybody, we've made racist jokes. If he got that crowd to chant MVP, then that on its own, take away everything else I said, that on its own, I think, vaults it into at least the most impressive conversation. Uh, let me ask you this. So today we find ourselves in a let's all love Steph world, you know, rewind the clock three, four days ago. The, you know, there is a lot of talking heads who would take shots at Steph. There's no longer any of them out there. It is now a, a kumbaya. Uh, we've all joined arms to hug Steph Curry. Which do you boys prefer? 
do you, you know, because we've always been on this bandwagon. We, we, we have loved Steph um, unequivocally from the jump. Do you prefer a world where he is in fact accepted by everybody? Or do you kind of like the like, they, you know, nobody respects us. They don't really understand this uh, chip on our shoulder that we had going into last night. The, the former by a mile. I hate when people <laughs> don't appreciate how great Steph is. And Bob Myers said it recently a few days ago. Like he said, it's unbelievable that he keeps having to defend him and that we all do. Like this guy has changed the game and he's one of, if not the best point guard to play the game. Like you can argue maybe his defense and his size doesn't have him match up with Magic Johnson in that way. But, you know, there's some back and forth that you can go with that argument. So I'm, I would much rather prefer it. He just have his spot on Mount Rushmore solidified and chiseled in there, and we debate the rest because it's just it's exhausting and it's it's just frustrating to continue to defend when if that if Steph was on their team, they would all be singing the same song. Maxim, could you change a couple of the video settings? Because I can still kind of see Marcus's face, and I'd like to make it so that you just have no idea who he is at all. At all. I, I actually do kind of agree with you, NT, and I'll use a stupid recent story as evidence of that. And this is a mutual friend. Uh, Marcus and I are friends with a guy named Ron. Love Ron. Occasionally text with him about the Warriors. And he was texting me about how the national media's lack of respect for Steph is driving him crazy and that other fans taking shots at him really bothers him. And I'm texting Ron back. And when I'm texting him, I thought was, oh, no, who cares? Who cares at all? You know, just enjoy it. And I look at the text and it's like eight pages long of like, F them. And why would we care about their opinion? And I'll never even read their stuff. And I don't even like Kendrick Perkins and blah, blah, blah. And suddenly realize like, oh, my God, I really care. Like, I really, <laughs> really care. So I think you are uh, you're probably on the money there. Take a different question, Maxime. Last night, was Steph Curry the greatest basketball player on earth? Yeah, I mean, geez, yes. 100%. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, it's one of those things where it, it, it's it's the fact that he's six foot, two inches tall, right? It's the fact that he's not just a zero on defense. In fact, he's actually like, you know, doing some lockdown work. I mean, he, he looked like he hulked up somehow. I, you know, I remember a couple... I think it was a couple of years ago we were seeing like images of like Steph photoshopped with like just gigantic muscles. And I feel I like now that. I'm just seeing it live. And I'm like, that's pretty much like what those, <laughs> those uh, photoshopped images were looking like. It's just, it's remarkable that given the physical tool set that he was bequeathed, you know um, he he's out there making it look amazing, you know, alongside a bunch of dudes that are six, seven, six, eight, right? Like you're putting him in the same category as like Giannis, right? As sort of like the, the player that's the hardest to guard against, but he has, uh, I don't know, a foot underneath Giannis. It's just, a, it's an unbelievable feat. I 100% fell for that Photoshop. So what Maxine was talking about, I don't remember, it was a couple of off seasons ago, but somebody literally took pictures of two giant arms, photoshopped them on <laughs> Steph, and then had a picture of Steph in the gym with two giant arms. And I saw that, got super excited, immediately tweeted it out with some snarky comment of like, I was told Steph would never get big or something. And then like our followers who are super nice, kind of calmly was like, you may want to double check. <laughs> like, that, that Photoshop thing is kind of a nasty moment for me. Um, I'll give you another thing I loved about Steph's performance. It's kind of the duality of Steph. So Steph's, one of the reasons Steph is so popular um, off the floor as he is, is because 
of his generalized appearance, right? Kids love him. He, he seems um, less savage than the average NBA player. He's not, you know, hulking. We can identify with him because of that 6'2 status you were just talking about. But internally, he is as much of a killer as anyone who has ever played this game at any stage ever. And we saw that in so many different stages last night, including he hits that big three. They go to timeout and he runs about 50 feet to go shithouse a couple of Boston fans on the court, <laughs> which was just it was just incredible. It's not what you associate with, you know, with Steph Curry, the Christian. You know, it, it was just it's such a fun thing. Um, here's our next question. And this leads back to what you were talking about, MT. Quote. I have been Wigan's biggest supporter since his days in Ontario. Loved him in Kansas, loved him in Minnesota, love him here. I never saw this coming. Did you ever believe that Wiggins could be a huge difference maker in a must-win finals game? Uh, you you gave him props early on, MT. What do you think? Did you ever see this coming? No, I, don't, I didn't see this coming. I think anybody outside of that fan, who's been, unless you've been a fan of of Wiggins since his Ontario days. I don't think you saw this coming, but, uh, you know, it's a pleasant surprise. Um, I think the knock on him was that he he didn't have the work ethic or the he, – he took plays off, right? Like he wouldn't string together a full 48 minutes or however long he played in the game of just consistently being locked in. And you've seen, especially throughout these playoffs, that he's – He's, he hasn't done that, you know, like if he's not scoring the ball well, um, you know, he had 17 last night. But, uh, you know, what was more impressive was that he didn't let the flow of he just let Steph Curry do his thing. And he went, you know, and rebounded the hell out of the ball and was like, let me go make an impact here and let me play defense, you know, as best as I can there. So um, I think he I don't think anybody saw this coming. I mean, they he was the number one pick for a reason, but. The way he languished in Minnesota, I think people kind of thought that he was a number one bust. He wasn't a bust as a player, but just as a number one pick. Um, but, you know, it's, it's great to see him kind of find the role. And when, when he's the number three option and can just focus on, you know, spending most of the energy on the defensive end and then picking his, po- his pockets on the offensive end, it's, it's a great situation for him. If I had a time machine, I wouldn't have seen this coming. Seen this coming? Rewind this like a month ago. We were all trading him out of here. We, you know, we, we thought, okay, this is Kaminga's spot. We need to save this money. And then, then over the last few weeks, he's completely shifted that. And last night, he was the second best player on the floor for the Warriors. Take the rebounding, MT, because I think it's a, it's a phenomenal example. Not because of what he did last night. It's because of what he never did in Minnesota. One of the things that, that the Minnesota coaching staff always bitched about, like you, you'd hear them occasionally on podcasts or you'd hear uh, if, if you ever read Wiggins was on my fantasy team. So I ended up reading a lot of fantasy clips and like little things. And one of the things the staff always said was, why doesn't he rebound? He's huge. Where's the effort? What's going on? Well, that's apparently done. 16 rebounds in a, an absolutely must needed spot, you know, and the Warriors won the rebounding battle last night principally because of Andrew Wiggins. So I don't think there's any question nobody could have predicted this. And I don't think there's any question that it was impressive as shit. New question to you, Maxime, and probably equally as important. Has Grant Williams put on weight during this series? (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Uh, Yeah, I I can't answer. I have no idea. (laughs) Fair enough. Take a different question. We've heard a lot about the fuck Draymond chance and the Warriors staffers having to remove their Golden State gear. 
was the Boston crowd doing too much? And so to give a little bit of color, um, this is from Jason Dumas, uh, who covers sports here in the Bay Area. This is a tweet from earlier this week. Quote, I've chatted with multiple Warriors staffers who work in various different roles in the organization. and Their experience here in Boston has been crazy. One told me, quote, I had to take off my dead shirt Wednesday morning because I kept getting cursed out. Another, I've been flipped off 17 times. So you saw... You know, you saw what happened on the floor. You hear a little bit what's going on off of it. Do you think Boston's crossing a line in any way? No, I mean, I feel like we've talked about this, you know, in terms of the the Golden State crowd and some of the things that we've shouted. And, you know, we know the Celtics fan is um, unfortunately racist. I think that crosses a line. But I think, you know, cussing out Draymond, sure, there are little kids in the building, but people are cussing all the time. Anybody that's ever been to a stadium has has heard it, right? And And kids are around it. I mean, Draymond was cussing in front of Draymond Jr., you know, the other day. Like, we've seen all of this stuff. I just don't think it crosses a line. You know, what, what we do want to see is that this is the line, right? Because flipping people off, um, you know, and making, you know, uh, jeering at people that are in warrior shirts in Boston makes sense, right? But if it starts getting actually like violent or, you know, confrontational in a way that makes people feel unsafe, like obviously that's over the line. But I think where we're at right now, just this is this is the finals, you know? I, I think if Draymond was on the Celtics, he'd be annoying us too. Uh, and I could see Warriors fans being equally obnoxious in the arena. Only thing that bothered me about the Boston crowd was Warriors' reactions to it. Mm. After that game three, the people were literally, they were talking about it at all during the press conference was driving me completely crazy. If, if what we are doing is, is vaulting this team towards a championship, principally because of their championship experience, then why do they care at all if people are screaming F-bombs at them? No, I, I did not think that Boston crossed a line. I think that this is the finals, and I think that they are showing, hopefully, Chase Center fan, the kind of emotion we need to ratchet up to. Um, Marcus, would you, and this is a real question, would you like to see a fuck Tatum chant and at Chase Center? <laughs> no. Um, uh, Why? Just because I, I think we can be more creative than that. Um, you know, I, I think we can be loud and rockets. Motherfuck Tatum. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, so I, I don't think it crossed the line either, but I, I love the energy of it. Like, this is what you're playing for. Like, if you don't have that much passion for it, then, you know, like you shouldn't be in the building. So, um, you know, I love it. Hopefully, to your point, I, I looked at it like hopefully this inspires the Chase Center crowd to put down their proverbial wine and cheese and, and get a little more Oracle-ish in them. <clears throat> It made me miss Oakland a little bit. Yeah. You know, this, I, that, that Jason Dumas thing that I just read you, that, you know, people, as they were walking around, they felt uncomfortable wearing their, uh, their Warriors gear in Boston. I bet you that Boston fan feels a lot more comfortable wearing their Celtics shit in downtown San Francisco than they did walking up Hagenberg <laughs> or anywhere <laughs> in East Oakland. You know, they're, they're, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, wine and cheese takes when we were, uh, when they were taking the 880 to the game. But it is what it is. Um, all right, here's one I think we might be perfectly suited for. At least this question uh, gives us that credit. Quote, the media is obsessed with Draymond's podcast right now, and you guys feel like the perfect people to weigh in. Do you think it's okay for Draymond to still record podcasts? I'll take this one first. Um, and so I, I feel like this one is right up my alley. My job takes a lot from me. I'm an attorney. We've talked about it. Also, I do this podcast. This podcast has absolutely positively nothing to do with my professional job. I take my job very seriously. I take my clients very seriously. So the idea of being able to do a podcast and my job at the same time, I back a million percent. But big caveat for me, 
There are moments when my job gets exceptionally serious, when it requires everything from me. Generally speaking, that's trial. When I'm in trial, there's no podcast. I do nothing else. Every minute I have is either spent towards that trial or is spent sleeping getting ready for that trial. This podcast, it may not seem like it, but it takes work. It takes preparation. You have to put stuff into it. And when I'm focusing all of my professional um, intelligence and anything that I can put towards it during trial, I don't have time to do the other podcast stuff. It requires all of my attention there. I don't know how much work uh, Draymond has to do to get his podcast ready. It's possible. He's talented enough. He just hits record. But even that takes a little bit of time away from what he could be spending towards the finals. So only Draymond knows whether or not this has taken anything away from him. And I trust his ability to, to navigate this. If he thinks that he can do both at the best of his ability, that's excellent. I couldn't, and that makes me, if, if you know somebody asked me if I had the ability to stop him from podcasting while they were in the finals, I think I would. I think I'd prefer if all that time was spent, I don't know, reviewing film or, or speaking with the coaches or even just resting, doing nothing, getting ready for the next game. So that's where I am at on this. But, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in your boys' opinions. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I feel like I have this email right here from Joe Josephson Esquire saying, uh, can you get Bram to stop podcasting all the time because it's taking away from his work? So, Fuck you, um, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, <clears throat> I mean, I, I was thinking about this before we came on, and I'm, I'm glad that we're having an opportunity to talk about it because, you know, I, I know that it does take it does take a, bit, a fair bit of work. He probably has somebody on the producing end that's actually, you know, cutting it together and putting it out so he doesn't have to do that. But nonetheless, he's probably thinking about it. And he's probably thinking about it, you know, he's thinking about his takes when he probably should be thinking about how he's going to play basketball. This is coinciding with the first time um, that we're seeing him have a, a less than stellar um, yeah. uh, performance on the court in, in a playoff run for somebody that coined the term 16 game player um, and very much put himself into that category. It's a little bit disconcerting to see that he's being pulled out of the game halfway through the fourth. And look, part of that I think is just age. And I don't think that we're going to be able to get away from an aging Draymond uh, becoming a little bit more of a liability um, than he used to be. But at the same time, I do feel like there is, there is something to be said for whatever your personality type is, um, to find a way to uh, exercise that outlet when you're in a very high stakes situation. Yeah. And if Draymond sure. is a talker the way that, you know, I, I thought he was a talker even before the podcast came out. I mean, he likes to pontificate, right? He gets on the podium and if he's had a good game, he's going to talk about it. If he's had a bad game, he's going to tell you about what's happening. Um, you know, and, and I think there is something to – Yes, we, we, you know, you, we, you prepare a lot for this, Bram. And I think we all think a lot about, you know, what it takes, but Draymond lives this stuff day to day, right? That'd be like, if you came on to a podcast and your podcast wasn't about the Warriors, but was instead about trial law, right? Yep. You might be able to walk in and just give us takes the way you're sort of talking and thinking, and maybe even exercising some subconscious stuff in a different way. So I think specifically and uniquely for Draymond, it's less impactful, I would think, than if he was podcasting about anybody, anything else, or if anybody else was trying to podcast about about basketball. I understand. MC? Yeah, I agree. I, I I think because it's in his profession and it's not uh, something different in your case, Bram, I, I think it's easier for Draymond. It's just like he's he's added an extra 45 minutes of media time after a game. That said, um, I wish he didn't do it during the finals. To Maxine's point, it lines up perfectly with you know a terrible series right now. And I don't think that's coincidence. I think you need to be locked in. And there's a reason why, even though we tease LeBron about going 
you know, zero dark, whatever he calls it, when he's, you know, like off of social media and off his phone in the, in the playoffs, like he does it for a reason. Um, and I think this could be a distraction and probably is a distraction for Draymond a little bit. Um, and when you're in a slump and you're not playing well, you need to remove as many distractions as possible. So even if it's not the ultimate contributing factor, I think it contributes in some way. Some way. So I'd like to see him remove it for that reason and just close out the series. And, you know, like, we'll get back to your, your podcast. He, it's good enough that people will still pay attention to the finals or he is great at what he does. Um, he is he is a very bright future in sports media. And I'll, one last take on this, and then let's get to our predictions. Um, well, actually, we have another a brand new segment that we're going to be busting out, and then we'll get to our predictions. But the last thing I'll say on this is this. Um, so my main point about you know spending time in trial, if Draymond is spending time doing anything right now, on one side of this, I'd like him to be spending it getting ready for the finals in any way he can, you know, either mental preparation or mental rest. But we once heard a story from Rusty, and he told us way back when the Warriors got down 2-1 to Memphis. Um, this is before they were the dynastic team, and Steph was having a shitburger game. It was Andre, and I think it was Draymond who took him out and, and had him get away from everything and relax, and that it was that relaxing and getting all that shit off of his back that helped them figure everything out, and then they storm off. And I think that was 2015, 2016. I think that was their first title. If this is a way for Draymond to release tension, you know, if that's what's going on, then I can see its upside. Given all the attention it's getting right now, that we're talking about it, you know, I don't think that's what this is anymore. You know, I don't think that's what this is at all. I think it might even be an additional source of tension, which is another reason why I think he might stop it. All of this to say back or the, the bottom line for me is I trust, I trust him. I trust Draymond. I trust his ability to put together um, his priorities and to recognize what's affecting his game. I don't think he would do anything that would put the Warriors ability to win their last title or another title uh, into question. So I'm sure he's doing what's right, but it's worth at least questioning. All right. New segment. It's called behind enemy lines and I'm stealing it. Kind of. Um, somebody reached out to me on Twitter a while back, just a while back, and I'm forgetting who it is. So if you're still listening and you're, you hear this now, reach back out and I'll make sure to give you credit the next time we record. But what they said is, would you like to do a segment where I go onto Reddit and read the other team's Reddit and come out with good things, things that they're talking about our teams, go behind enemy lines and get a sense of, uh, of what the fans are saying. And I forgot about it. I thought it was a good idea and I hadn't used it at all. And then today when we're talking about getting ready for this podcast, Maxime shoots us a text that shows a Boston subreddit that was in panic in tatters after uh, Steph Curry. So we asked Maxime to go behind enemy lines and pull a couple of the best takes from uh boston's subreddit maxime what'd you find Oof. okay there's there's a couple of camps and i will preface it by saying if part of what inspired me to do this was i got a text from a friend of mine who's in the bay area studying at berkeley but is a huge boston fan and you know we've been chipping back and forth and whatnot and he texted me after the game he said uh, like is there anything that we can do to guard Steph Curry? <laughs> and I cracked up. I was like, ah, you, you've arrived. You understand now just how complicated this is. And I think for for Boston fans on, on the subreddit, we're seeing the same thing. You know, uh, the, the uh, 
one thing that that came up, right? Steph is just different level compared to everyone else we face coming out of the East. His shot making ability is just out of this world, right? That's red, blue, purple, 50. Um, but I think it's also the thing, you know, and there's just so much in the subreddit of people kind of bowing down to Steph in the same way that we're seeing media members and sort of like you said earlier, Bram, doing this kumbaya thing. But listen, I, I, I think the one that really pushed it over the edge for me was the amount of acknowledgement that some of these whistles were really heavily favoring the Celtics. And I don't mean some of these whistles. The whistle in game four heavily favored the Celtics, right? Was so Stark Maddox said, we need to be honest if we want to win. We have to stop relying on the refs. It's obvious how lopsided they called the game for us at every minute. Meanwhile, Steph is playing through everything. If we're not honest, we won't win. Stark Maddox, I'm a huge fan of yours. Also, uh, MT, do you think there's better than 15% chance that Stark Maddox is actually Maxine? <laughs> because, I mean, we found out last week that Maxine was a straightforward Boston fan so if any of this is coming from him if he's now like showing us you know through stark maddox size i don't i'm not sure what's going on i would have thought that but there there was missing like a really big fancy word like at no point was Mm. loquacious or something dropped in there so (laughs) i don't think it was (laughs) fair enough to actually give a take on that do you know how desperate and angry you have to be to be like, look, the refs are cheating for us and we're still losing. Like, this is bullshit. <laughs> like, the, the the deep, dark place that that dude was when he went to a public site and posted that up there, that makes me exceptionally happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should we should send Starkmatic a huddle shirt. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Starkmatic is in a very delicate place, dude. You leave him alone. It is what it is. We can only hope that the, the Celtics rescue him from that super, super dark location. All right, boys. Let's go to our Game 5 predictions, and let's start where we always do. Leading score. Who do you guys think? I've said it. I said it before that I think Tatum is going to have one great game. Um, Now, I think the reason, you know, you just heard a long pause. I think this is a tricky one to call, right? I don't think Tatum actually is going to have a good game. I don't think he's necessarily going to have a good series. I wouldn't be surprised if in game five, Jalen Brown was the leading scorer again. But here's what's happening. Um, You know, as opposed to what we saw in Toronto in 2019, where they did the box and one and did absolutely everything to guard Steph, there's a little bit more just single coverage against Steph, which I think is really interesting. You know, I mean, they're doing different things um, to sort of like shade onto him with a second defender, but it's not the sort of swarming, forcing somebody else on the Warriors to make a shot. That's really surprising to me. They've they've decided to take Draymond out. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're playing drop coverage on Steph to let him have one-on-one. But the the nasty effect for that is Draymond is not getting all those downhill possessions. You know, he's not playing four on three, which is why he has been as ineffective on the offensive end. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. And, and I mean, he's right because – the the uh, the offense in the half court that the Warriors have had during this finals run is just abysmal, right? And we're not seeing the type of ball movement that we usually see. And that's probably exactly to your point because Draymond isn't there to conduct the offense. And so Steph has to do a little bit more pick and roll, which, by the way, I think it's just so awesome that, St- uh, that Steve Kerr doesn't bring in the pick and roll until the second half. It's just like we got to remember that when we're watching these first halves, right? I think, Bram, you tweeted out, like, you know, one of these days we're going to have, like, an excellent first quarter and it's going to be glorious. And – I, you know, for me, it's just like, you know, it's brutal to make it through that first half. But knowing that the third quarter push has it's not just a, um, a myth, but there's actually reasons behind it is so awesome. 
Do you know how sad and pissy I was when I tweeted that out? Like when, when the Warriors are playing those first quarters and they're like playing super poorly, I put myself in almost an, like a self-induced coma. Like I sit there and I don't move at all. And internally I'm screaming as loud as I can. I'm hell of angry, but I digress. Who do you got? Yeah, well, I say it's Steph, and I actually think he's going to go for something more like 45. And the reason I say that is because I think part of it is that the the overwhelming narrative right now is that Steph doesn't get enough calls. You're seeing it in the NBA Reddit. You're seeing it in shades of what we just talked about on the Boston Reddit. Obviously, Warriors fans have been yelling about this for years, and I think it was just so egregiously over the top. That like Tatum running into the back of him on that made three that should have been a four-point play is the type of thing that the refs will have to look at after the game. They're coming back to Chase Center. They're going to be hearing Warriors fans in their ears the whole time, which you know inevitably is going to make them shade towards calling more for the Warriors. And I think that's going to you know, allow Steph to get cooking a little bit more, take him to the line a little bit more. And I think we're going to have an excellent game five from Steph. I go Steph too. I say 37. My analysis is a little shorter. He's the best player on earth. Will be the best player in that game. I might be wrong about the total, but he will be the leading scorer. MT. Nice. Um, I'm going to agree with you on the total, but the disagree on the player. I think 37 from Clay Thompson. I think we get a game five play. Um, he played. He still hasn't played well. He hasn't had a breakout game. I think he has that back home for the first time and carries that momentum uh, into Game Six, Clay. So um, I said it before. He didn't do it. So I'm, I'm hoping this prediction comes right this time. <laughs> Will there be a technical? I'll take this one first. Yes. By who? Tatum. I think Tatum is a time bomb. I, I mean that this whole Kobe impersonation thing that he has been doing. You know, like that essentially. I mean, there, there's been a ton of things. Um, he showed up to a final shoot around in the exact outfit, literally the exact outfit, shirt, uh, shoes, pants, the exact outfit that Kobe had during his draft workout for Boston. He's posted a picture of himself in the exact same uh, laying down setting that Kobe did after a finals game. I mean, Tatum has aligned himself with Kobe. When you do that right before a finals and then don't break out, frustration builds we are seeing that on the court right now he is throwing tantrum after tantrum um with with no calls and if it happens again in game five and he continues to watch steph curry have the games that he thought he was going to i think a tech is coming and uh i'm expecting it game five uh, I want to double down on that for a second because we're you know we're like 40 minutes in here and this is something that to me is the takeaway from the whole game which is after the buzzer Tatum slamming the ball onto the court as he's walking off right like you know and actually you know I'm going to read uh, let's let's go back to the behind enemy lines for a second right Arturo's dad said so again Boston fan seeing Tatum laying on his back with his arms outstretched wondering where the call is as the Warriors push the ball up the court drives me insane so i think you know he's tatum is hearing it from every angle i thought the cheesiest thing i've seen not just in basketball not just in sports but in my life was him texting kobe bryant's phone number and then posting it at the end of his instagram (laughs) oh my like come on dude like and then to come out and have a brutal series like that yes i i think he's a ticking time bomb i think he you know, he he thought he thinks of himself as the finals MVP because he got the Eastern finals MVP, you know, and he's supposed to be better than this. And we also knew that like Boston kind of falls apart when when they get some pressure on them. And at the, on the flip side, the Warriors know how to take a punch and come back up. So, yeah, I'm going to agree with you on Tatum. I think that's a nice call. Clean sweep, MT? Uh, yes, but with a hedge. I think if 
if the calls go our way and they do call the right fouls on Steph, then I agree. I think it's Tatum. If they don't, and if they keep up this non-call streak against Steph, then I think it's Steph. I think he gets a tech to kind of show how frustrated it is and how out of line the whole referee crew, all of them have been again towards him in the in the finals so far. So I think it's a calculated one and one that he takes and says like it's I've had it. You guys need to change it up. So but that only happens if he doesn't if there's more non calls that he should get at home, which I'm hoping doesn't happen and then it falls to Tatum. It's a weird way to phrase this, but if I had to choose between the two, if I can handpick, is it going to be a foul, you know, a tech called on Tatum or a tech called on Steph in the circumstances you just described? I might take Steph. I, I don't like the fouls. I mean, I you know, I, I understand that setting, but Barnett, we once asked him on this show, why doesn't Steph get calls? I mean, this isn't a new problem. We've been talking about it forever, and he doubled down on everything we said. And the league needs to do better, and it's on them. But he also added, Steph needs to be more angry. He needs to not play through it. He needs to throw the occasional temper tantrum. He needs the text that you're talking about, MT. So if we are in another setting where he's not getting those calls, I wouldn't mind seeing him go demonstrative. You know, F the world. You guys, I deserve the respect. Where the hell is it? All right, final question. Take us home, boys. Who wins? And to help inform it, the spread, uh, I believe the Warriors are favored by three and a half. I think Warriors win, and I think it's uh, about an eight-point spread. They cover. Vargas? Warriors win, double digits. <sighs> I say the Warriors win, too. It's going to be close. It's going to be another nail-biter. I'm not sure if they're like – I. each one of these games, from what I can tell, is designed to cost me years of my life. <laughs> and if they win by double digits, that won't happen. So I think it's going to be hella close. <laughs> I was so fucking nervous going into the, that last game. I mean, like, just so weirdly – tense um, before they tipped it. And now it feels like I have a new lease on life. Like my weekend would have been awful. I would have hated that entire thing. Now, I mean, oh, I'm all excited. I'm uh, <laughs> hell of sick and on quarantine, but still having a good time, you know, which, which is a fairly uh, big compliment that I can throw the Warriors. Oh, huge fun. You boys. Um, if anybody out there wants to get us questions, compliments, anything, let us know we did a good job, bad job. Shoot us an email and you can shoot that email too. Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Our social media is uh, only on Twitter. That's at Warriors Huddle. But most importantly, I wanted to give a shout out to one of our Patreon supporters, Noah. He has been on this show a couple of times. He is a good friend of uh, this podcast. And perhaps most importantly, he is going through the loss of his dad. Wanted to let you know that we are thinking of you, man. Um, uh, we will have you in our prayers here and uh, are hoping the absolute best for you and your family. Go Warriors, hopefully. We'll see you guys real soon. Good, good. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.